the spiritualization of technology in a healthy way is to have physicality and the digital have positive vibes that are creating something that's bigger than an individual who guides us to the promised land. That's what Urbit, among other things, like provides the potential substrate for. All right, everybody, what's going on? This is the Other Life Podcast. I am Justin Murphy. This episode is one in a whole series all about Urbit. Urbit is a whole new computing and networking paradigm that many of you know I've become very interested in in recent months, really recent years, the past couple of years or so. I think Urbit is just way crazier and way cooler than most people realize. I think a lot of people are sleeping on Urbit and just don't really know about what's going on with it, what it is, and all the cool, badass people building Urbit, building things on Urbit, creating on Urbit. And so now the development of the technology is really picking up and moving faster. I decided that when the Urbit annual conference came to town in Austin this past October, that I would sit down with 10 different people all across the network, people who are building the technology, people who are creating on the network, and people just in this culture that still I think a lot of people don't know much about. So I can honestly say this was one of the most interesting experiences I ever had at any kind of conference, to be perfectly honest. I spoke with CEOs. I spoke with engineers. I spoke with e-girls from weird theory Twitter. Like I'm not talking about Instagram chicks. I'm talking about like weird theory girls in, you know, the other life neck of the woods of, of the, the Twitterverse and the blogosphere. I talked with skitzed out writers and post everything podcasters. And very possibly I spoke even with an alien I'm only half kidding. It was just wild, man. It was really, really wild. A really, really interesting set of characters you're about to meet over the next 10 episodes. And I'm just super pumped to bring this series out into the world. So real quick, before I forget, I do want to let you know if you're interested in Urbit, it's now easier than ever to get onto the network. So I actually have a bunch of Urbit planets, aka Urbit ships, pretty much uh, computers in the cloud, an individual computer in the cloud that can be yours. It also functions as your identity, and it's what you use to log onto the network and to use Urbit. So if you want to, I'll give you one. Uh, I have a bunch, and any listener of the show, I want to get you on Urbit. So um, you can just go to imperceptible.computer. I made a whole site just for this purpose. And yeah, drop your email, and uh, I will get you a planet, aka an Urbit ship. All right. Um, depending on whether you're listening to this now or two years from now, uh, there may or may not be some kind of uh, modest fee associated with it. Uh, right now, I'm just giving them out for free. You don't need to have any coding or programming skills or experience whatsoever. It's very straightforward. I will give you your own planet and you'll be on the network playing around talking to people in five minutes, probably. Okay. That's imperceptible.computer. I will put a link in the show notes. That's all from me. Let me get out of the way and on to the show. All right, Sam. Thanks so much for you know taking some time out from the conference to come hang out with me. Yeah, we just just finished three, three, three exhausting days. Uh, yeah, absolutely exhausting. I've had so many conversations, but it's been absolutely insane, amazing, and one of the people that has been most frequently recommended to me has been you. I've, I think I've heard from at least five people. You got to talk with Sam Frank. So here we are. I'm really excited to peek into your mind. You are a one of the members of the Galactic Senate of Urbit. You're, you're a proud Galaxy owner. So why don't we, if we could, start with, I would love to just learn a little bit about how you got into Urbit and specifically tell us the story of, of, of how you uh, found yourself in the Galactic Senate. Yeah, it's like a little bit of a story, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell it in the, the medium version, I guess. Okay. Like, uh, you know, I'm a writer. That's, I don't write that often, but like that's how I identify. That's sure. That's my gender. Uh, <laughs> And, um, 
you know, I, I grew up in the New York area. I went to school in the city. Um, and, you know, I was just in a very lefty kind of socialist milieu, you know, and that was sort of the water I swam in and didn't really mean much. It was just like, oh, yeah, one one day we'll we'll figure it out. Um, you know, I was born in 1980. So, you know, when I was around 30, Occupy happened. And that was like, you know, OK, we're going to make something concrete here. I was deep into Occupy myself, actually. Yeah. Where, where were you based for you? I was in Philly at the time. Oh, yeah. I kind of came of age in Philly. And when Occupy came around, I was like, oh, finally, the radical left is doing some real shit. And, and I fucking... went down there immediately and I was like sleeping there and I was just like all about it. And I wasn't even an activist then. I just went down to check it out and wandered onto a march and then got arrested in the Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> and it was just like fucking pissed with the cops. And and then it was like exciting to have conversations with people. People were sincere. The progressive stack shit was um, uh, you know, how long meetings took and how no one had actual ideas. They just wanted to talk. But then it was, you know, as a, like a rules following fucking nerd, it was exciting to just go on wildcat marches and run through the streets totally. and fuck with the police. It was, you know, a LARP, but it, it felt like history was happening. And then was it, you know, like it petered out. People got exhausted. People, anger of that kind doesn't really, uh, you know, it, it burns itself out. And, you know, I kind of kept looking for uh, answers uh, within this milieu of, of New York writing and, and, and our world and research, sort of para academia stuff. And, you know, a few years later, it just like started to hit the limits, you know, and that was, you know, early 2010s was when like disruption discourse started entering uh, the picture. Uber, I was like, oh, you know, these are people who at least are claiming that they're going to save the world and make a pile of money. This is, and they're building something. They have concrete ideas about how the world should be. That was when like the the first, uh, the New Yorker profile of Peter Thiel came out and like, oh, this arch villain of, you know, but it, it was fascinating. And 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 that's when Blake Masters now like Senate candidate was putting out his Thiel lecture notes that became zero to one. Right. And it's like, they have a vision, you know, they have, you know, like what Thiel called like definite optimism. And it was like, okay, you know, like that's, uh, I came up with a tote bag uh, for this thing. My 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 magazine, my former magazine, uh, Triple Canopy, did it at MoMA PS1 called Dark Optimism and then Bright Pessimism on both sides of the bag. And it became, uh, and it was drawn from Teal basically, but it was like, that's how the left felt. You know, at best you could be kind of like pessimistically optimistic or optimistically pessimistic. And that's at best, you couldn't have like a truly positive vision of what the world was. And right, there's like an obligatory sadness kind yeah of. this is what nick land calls transcendental miserableism yeah, it sucked you know and, and you don't realize how unhappy you are when you're in the middle of it and so i have this article pitch i go out to california i kind of get bored of the uber disruption shit and end up with the the less wrong rationalists who are uh you know kind of um slightly or very broken people who then dissociate into their heads get into math uh get very uh pathologically empathetic about the potential deaths in the future of a billion people and start crying about that when they can't handle face-to-face -face interactions with a real person. And I felt very uh, sympathetic because I was this math kid in high school who kind of broke away a little bit early, broke a little bit early and got into the writing in the humanities. But, you know, I also, I was, you know, it was like, this was a foreign country. Uh, but even they, it was just my first exposure kind of to, Occupy was my first exposure to like anarchism. Mm. And then 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 this was like my first exposure to let's call it libertarianism, which at that point I didn't really understand as something that kind of has like 
both right wing and left wing versions. I thought it was all right wing, whatever that meant. Like mm. one thing about the left I've come to learn and maybe I'll get into it is the amount of projection and the misunderstanding of what the right so-called is. Like it's, it's all projecting your own shit onto these people who in the end, uh, aren't what you think. Right. Um, so I was like, Oh, these right wing people, but you know, in the end, like, they believe in free market economics in a way that's a little bit insane, but they're also like highly left wing in a way that I didn't really wouldn't let myself take in. Who's that you're talking about now? Just the the Bay Area rationalists, like they they're right. so empathetic. It's 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 pathological liberalism of a very particular neoliberal kind. Let's say interesting. I think people listening might find that interesting because a lot of people will sort of just put the Urbit folks and the Bay Area rationalist folks kind of all in one bucket. A lot of people don't see those shades of difference. Well, the thing was the NRX kids were on less wrong trolling, trolling the liberals, trolling Scott Alexander and Slate Star Codex and just being like, hey, guys, love does not save the world and power exists and bad actors exist. And, you know, and like some hate facts, right, which are, you know, neither hit, but just like. Guys, you think you're data driven, but actually you're your ideology driven. Like here, here's some like hard pills to swallow. Right. Okay. Bite the bullet. So that was sort of on the periphery of my awareness. I kind of made reference to this article, but I kind of ended up with coming across Vitalik before Ethereum launched. And, you know, okay. he's, he's like, is, was he 21 or was he younger? And he was writing stuff about DAOs and AI, you know, just like these things. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this scares me. But like, this guy is like building this thing that that could enable some kind of like autonomous anarchy, you know, like people making their own rules. And this is interesting. So I wrote this article. I was talked to Vitalik before Ethereum launched. And like, you know, he's a guy who seems like an alien. Uh, highly abstract, you know, like very weird. And, <laughs> and, shit, and, and also like deeply caring. And it was just like this whole thing. I was like, geez, you know, like this guy, you know, he's talking about, you know, we can, we can make, rules that actually work like a r social systems are less complex and quantum systems, which can understand and, and so on. It's like, okay, maybe, maybe that's true. <laughs> but you know, I was sort of on, I was like, I, I was in the, you know, I, I, after I closed the article, I put a few thousand dollars into the Ethereum pre-sale because I'm like, this guy is, I had a few thousand dollars, you know, and, and, you know, a few years later in 2017, that turned into a lot more money. Right which was a shock and like uh, money, whatever else it is, is like an amplifier of who you are already. And it fucked me up, you know, like oh, okay. for a little bit. Yeah. But that's that aside, um, after this article closed, you know, I started to see very quickly, you know, that the Ethereum thing wasn't quite adequate. Like in the end, you see what Vitalik works on now. He talks to Glenn Weil. I mean, it's, it's designing complex incentives to, it's a certain kind of like over-engineered utopianism. Yeah, and he's an effective altruist and yeah. kind of a Bay Area rationalist. Yeah, and you know, like maybe he's right, and I hope he is because that would mean we. But it's it's something. I'd come across Curtis and Moldbug, uh, you know, from the side, and I had a reference in my article to Fnargle, who's uh, in Moldbug. He's the alien who comes down. He loves gold, and he becomes the monarch because he has a death ray beam, right, and. All he wants is gold. So if you give him your gold, you can be free otherwise. So it's this Curtis's idea of what power exists. Don't deny it. Democracy denies power, like obfuscates power. Um, so what you need to do is concentrate power distinctly in like one center, a CEO, a king, and then it, you can be minimized. He wants your gold. He doesn't care about anything else. 
you can live your life like libertarian or something. And then if you fuck with his gold, he'll death ray you. So like, and that's a toy example, but I was like, you know, Fnargo, the, da, 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 da. but I was, you know, looking for my next article. I was a little bit un, unhappy with uh, the Ethereum thing. And, and even that kind of, it was still too libertarian for me, actually. Like I still, you know, the, the values I grew up with of, of a certain kind of, you know, the way I understand like egalitarianism or, or, or so on has, has shifted, but like, I just don't think we're all like free floating agents. Like libertarian hell world is still scary as scary to me as communist hell world, you know, like, yeah. uh, you know, so I was like, okay, I, I I'm going to write up. I was like, maybe I'll write about Nick land, but I was like, no, I, I, I shall write about, about Curtis and I'll write about Urbit, which I was trying to understand the politics of Urbit and the politics of Curtis and how they kind of of Mulebug and how they matched up. And so this was about when, what year? You know, that was maybe, let's say, 2016. So is this when Galaxies were going for like $500 or what? No, no. It was, um, I was after that. Uh, I don't really know what they cost in, in, in 2016. Okay. Uh, they, they kind of scaled up. I mean, for a while, they were they were $5,000 and then they kind of priced up. I mean, it, for a while, he was just giving them to people who solved a coding problem or his friend on the internet. Um, okay, so you're writing this article, getting into Urbit. Yeah, and essentially... Um, trying to understand how these two things are isomorphic in some way, or they came from the same mind. And I started trying to pitch this, I pitched the New Yorker, uh, I pitched it a wire. They all kind of were like, yeah, this is a little too weird. We don't get it. I flew out there on my own dime, uh, because it was after Curtis had been canceled from this, this conference, um, for being controversial in yeah. some abstract way. And I basically wrote and said, Hey, like someone's gonna write about you. Here's this article I wrote. Maybe it should be me. And Galen, the current CEO, vetted me. And then Curtis talked me off the record. And then at some point, he's like, okay, we can talk on the record now. He like was like, this might be a bad article, but it's not going to be as bad as someone else's article. But no one wanted the article. And I was like, well. And then they sold a few stars. They had a star sale in, I don't know, 2017, early 2017. And I bought a few stars thinking no one would. I'm getting my timeline on 2016. And then... Trump wins the election and Wired says, hey, you still have this article. Mm. We think that, you know, this guy's been talking to Bannon. And you're like, this did someone in our backyard, some fascists in our backyard create Trump. Bannon's been talking to, you know, da, 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 da. who's, are those White House reading? In Charlottesville, it was just like fucking bullshit. Uh, I... But I, you know, like I still didn't understand how social. I was like, you know, like fascinated by Peter Thiel. A lot of us are. It's like, oh, you know, like what? How influential is this guy really? You so know, did like, you give them the article, or? Well, then I, I I went back to try to finish the article. Okay. And I I flew back out there. I talked to him some more. I I um tried to understand what Urbit was, which at that point was still very abstract to someone who's not technical. It's like, oh, it could be this. Right. You know, now we kind of understand that it's chat is these decentralized communities, and they're apps coming it's going to be this this thing that you can actually use and it makes sense and it feels good at that point it was like this still looks like martian code i don't not a coder uh it's it seems like an awesome art project it's fucking cool but who the fuck knows i i believe okay. in the integrity yeah and so i i was trying to understand it but one thing that galen said to me which i think is still true is that curtis's concrete political idea is urban and then all his, all his political writing is just is just kind of talking out his ass. Not not entirely. He's a serious guy and a serious reader of history. But like, 
he is a, a systems programmer first and he made Urbit because he knows that would work. And then everything else is him trying to extrapolate from Urbit to the real world. And he may or may not be right. So that, that, that I think like clarifies a lot because it's not like he was this political guy who created Urbit to create his like fucking decentralized fascism or something. It's, it's instead he's like, we have 256 and 6,500, uh, very minimal governance nodes that essentially allow you to do what you want with your friends, you know, with, with these kind of governance things for, for egregious bad behavior, right. um, et cetera, which, you know, you could map into the real world as decentralized minor CEO city states, you know, run, you know, like, but the way people talk about this, like, oh, you want a key, he doesn't want like one king of the world. He wants 65,000 kings of the world, you know, like in their each and you can go to the one you want. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> I don't know that it works. But, you know, Urbit is concrete and real and, and everything else is him, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a bullshitter, but a smart one and he's serious, but like on some level. Yeah. So like when, when, when Galen said that to me, it was, it, was, it, was, it was helpful. That is a fascinating way to put it. Okay, so how does this lead to you becoming a Galaxy owner? So I, 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 I send them a draft of the piece. They um, wait a million months, silence, send it back to me, a total rewrite where basically it's my article rewritten clumsily. And then when it's still there, it's like in parentheses after every sentence, this is wrong and bad. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, like I'm some personal shit is happening for me at the time. Like this is right. Uh, yeah, I just lost my family. And I kind of realized first of all, I didn't trust this fucking editor. He was a total Philistine and a jackass and a coward. And also, if I even got through this article and, and, and rewrote it to, to make it make it uh, some kind of compromise, somehow I, I'd, I'd have to be in this Twitter environment with these these fucking psychopaths, and I'd have to become this political person in a way right. under my real name and right. argue. And I just like it's like I do not want to do this. Fuck all these people. I need to deal with my own shit because like you know one of you know, like my sister who's like was close to us, and you know she she died incredibly suddenly and you know these two things have nothing to do with each other and yet they do right like yeah. it's just like and so i i pulled the piece i you know luckily it was 2017 and not luckily i'd made a ton of money all at once from fucking ethereum yeah. which made me even crazier like avoiding my grief uh oh wow but i was also i didn't need the money from fucking wired for fucking sure and yeah. i just like was able to, you know, like it was fuck you money to these fuckers. Uh, nice. Sorry to be sorry. No, sorry to use oh, no. some, some That's French cool. and these, these, That's cool. This this guy who seemed like a nice guy but was a total coward. Um, so yeah, after that, I there was an orbit event. So this this you know like this this weekend has been public and big. There was a smaller thing in uh, in, in twenty eighteen for for longtime friends of the project that I went to and it was so exciting. While I was there, I. I found out there a guy was would sell me a galaxy like half off and i had a decision between paying off some tax debt from like a misunderstanding crypto in 2017 or buying the galaxy so i decided to not pay the irs and now that's still fucking hanging over me so i'm i'm, I'm an over leveraged piece of shit but a <laughs> total degen but I have a galaxy now, so that's that's good. So I guess at that point you must have believed in it enough. Yeah. To spend. I, I, was it was it not a trivial amount of money? Can you say how much at that time? Um, 
so there was a, a private sale of of, of or private sale to accredited investors of Urban in 2018, where Galaxies went for about a million dollars. I bought it at a substantial discount to that. Okay. So you must have believed in it. That's not a, that's no small no, sum of no. money. So. And it was by far the largest position I have in anything. I was just like, you know, it's partly my arrogance. I'm like, oh, I got Ethereum right. I can get this one other thing right. Uh, but it's also like, no, when something takes, you know, I've, before I was into any money shit, I was, you know, like in the arts and in writing and like, I trust my aesthetic judgment. Like I, I am a little arrogant, but I think I can see the future. Interesting. When something sticks in me and doesn't let go. Right. I know it's going to be uh, a thing in some amount of time in the future. And That's awesome. So, you know, I, I trust myself that much. In a lot of ways, I don't trust myself, but like that way. Right. So you were mentioning the aesthetics. You you have a particular kind of confidence in your own aesthetic judgment. What did you see in Urbit aesthetically or philosophically or politically or technologically? What was the essence of your your perspective? Well, I mean, you know, I talked a lot to Curtis and Galen and like, you know, Curtis liked to say, you can't build half a car. He also would say, you know, all these other, you know, you have an ecosystem and weeds grow fast and they grow a foot high and they die. Trees go slow, but they, they grow to a hundred feet, you know, like I'm planting trees and at some point, you know, I'm not tech. I mean, I, I was into math, but I'm not technical, but he, I wrap my head around enough to be like, oh yeah, you're building the whole car. You're building the forest. It's going to take a bit, but there is no other answer to the deep uh, brokenness of the internet and its anti-human qualities. This will be something, and this is, you know, what, what Galen talks about, like, this is for people to relate as they've related in ancestral environments. It's for, you know, the internet texting is good between two people. When you get a group chat, it's kind of okay. And then as you get up to, you know, three, five, 10, up to 200, just fucking broken. You know, the way you relate to your village and the way you relate to your group of friends, it's good for a, a superstar who broadcasting out, but for, for, for scales at which humans actually communicate and know each other and trust each other, it's fucking broken as hell. And, uh, that, that idea of how we start, um, reconstituting, uh, society in a healthy way for people, you know, and this is me, you know, having to get past my old universalism, you know, of the, of the left where you're like, if I'm doing something right, everyone else has to do it the same right way. And, you know, the cool ox over there have to be reformed, Yeah, you know, and just being like, I can do it my way. You can do it your way. Or no, that's the thing. It's not libertarianism. It's not, I can do it my way. You can do it your way. Me and my friends can do it our way and you and your friends can do it their way. And that is fine. You know, if I'm here with my family, in my village and we're self-sufficient enough, you know, we might trade with others, but you know, we, that is good. And that is the right scale to, to be concerned about politically and, and otherwise. And, uh, you know, when, when you realize that this is the, you know, Ethereum is not the mechanism for doing that. Bitcoin is maybe a little piece of it, but, you know, Urbit is the infrastructure for, for something that is, calm and healthy and uh the only way we can get through it like i i you know kind of had to bet on it and i just uh yeah and the the people involved are so all over the place politically uh and 
intellectually and whatever, but they're all fucking brilliant and weird. Yeah. And like, you can't bet against that. That's the one thing. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's so hard to find individuals. Like individualism is so destroyed by, by, by this world and people who have like the, the strength of uh, character and whatever to be fucking weirdos against this, this bullshit, this wave of like conformist bullshit. You know, and I've, I've, you know, gotten this guy, you talk to Pop Rocks, like I got this, you know, anarcho-communist hire, you know, like I, I, I don't fucking care and neither does Urbit. Like yeah. they, they want disagreement right. and they want like gen honest disagreement, you know, not, not, not reactive. Uh, sure. So, okay. Yeah. Just, just, you know, you, you meet enough people and you're just like, yeah, this is this many smart people talking uh, to each other and making making real shit is there's no way it's, it's going to fail. So fascinating. Okay. Very cool. And, and so one of the things that's interesting about you is, well, we're going to talk about some of your ideas relating to spirituality and angels and demons and aliens. I think you have very interesting takes, which we want to unpack, but what's also interesting about you is that I believe you sourced the wet brain folks for this conference. You, as you alluded to, you connected uh, pop rocks with Tlon and so you also are playing a kind of curatorial role. You have your eyes on the culture and different people doing interesting things. And it seems like you have a fairly good sense for that. So the I'm, I want to talk a little bit about aesthetics and, and Urbit and the, the culture that you expect to find on Urbit in the long run. It's, it's kind of interesting listen, listening to the wet brain people and the e-girls and like these new people who are kind of like circulating around Urbit and and actually like Urbit, like they, they'll be honest with you and they'll say they don't even know why exactly, you know, they'll just be honest and they'll say, it just seems cool. It's interesting. It's weird. And people are now kind of identifying with it and enjoying it and embracing it. Do you have a, a sense of like what's going on there or, you know, how, how do you think about, um, how do you think about that and, and what's going on there? There seems to be a lot of uh, in, in this kind of like schizo, like uh, post cringe like subcultures, there seems to be an alignment with Urbit, but it's very perplexing and it's, it's very, it's very hard to kind of put my finger on. So I'm, I'm but, but you seem to be, um, you know, at the center of it in a way. So I'm just curious if there's anything to say there, or if you have anything, any way to characterize that. Yeah. There's like, let me, let me ungather my thoughts or some shit. Uh, cause it's gotta, a hard question. Gotta get I yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think like one thing that I'm still like metabolizing about kids these days is like, like these kids who are these extreme kids, um, you know, I, I came across them because uh, Honor Levy, who's a wet brain, is like a really fucking good writer. And I hadn't read her. I normally don't read new shit, but my ex-girlfriend uh, told me I had to read this thing. And our friend Caitlin had tweeted about it. And I was just like, okay. And then it's like, I read this thing and it's like, you know, waves of people like I'm, you know, 41 and I was like kind of the last generation that kind of what I interned at Harper's out of college and, and there's, you know, a generation of it's a, it's a apprenticeship, you know, and there are people who trained in how to edit and how to write, you know, paragraphs and, and essays that was hollowed out by the Gawker era, by the blog era. And then by, by Twitter, people don't know how to write long form in general. Like they don't know how to structure it. And then suddenly you get to like this, you know, young barely, you know, 20 something and ideologically totally broken or everything is, there are no hangups about 
left, right, whatever. It's all like grist for the mill. It's all just like material to manipulate. I don't know what her like strong actual beliefs are, but like as just like there are no pieties there, you know, maybe, you know, some stuff about like being scared of demons or something, but like, you know, some like, like weird Catholic shit. That's a little bit, a little bit, uh, novel to her because she wasn't like born and raised, but, and the sentences are fucking good. And it's just like, okay, you know, like, wow, someone actually knows how to figure out how to write, survive this shit, came out the other side, battle hardened already at, you know, and it's like, oh shit, the kids are doing something fucking new. They're not constipated like the way I am, like the way like the Red Scare girls are a little bit about Bernie stuff. It's just like, you know, this is a generational thing and they're over the hump and it's like amazing, you know, and I, I aspire to, you know, me talking to you about my political shit is like, you know, me purging like stuff I've been uh, scared to talk about because I don't want like my old friends to, you know, like, right, right. hate me. Uh, yeah, the Gen Z kids, the schizo Gen Z yeah, crowd yeah. is just like post all of it, right? Post everything. They just don't fucking matter. care about these yeah. stupid debates that are so fucking yeah. boring and they they just are, are onto the next thing or they're onto all of it. They just have read it all. They've read Curtis. They just don't care. It's like, if it's good, it's good. And yeah, so, you know, and Galen CEO is like an architecture student. So he is, you know, a bit of an art fag or whatever you want to call it. And like, we relate over that. We have, you know, not identical tastes, but like I, we can, you know, share stuff. It's like, Oh, this shit is so good. And it's like, who do we invite? Who's not technical to this thing. I'm like, get the real shit in here, you know? And then I think, you know, these kids, they're on every platform and they're not happy with any of them. And they just want to like shit post schizo post, not be censored own their own shit. They're not like worried about, they don't have hangups about, they, you know, they'd like to make some money maybe and yeah. own their own shit. Sure. And they're just like, well, they'll try any platform and they're trying this one. And so far they're like, oh, Urbit feels cozy. Right. <laughs> you know, that's, that's like their thing. Like, yeah, you know, it's our, it's our shit. It's our thing. It's, we can make our own space and it feels good. Like, you know, it's not, you're in, we're in this like hotel room with, you know, cool, shitty art, you know, with, you know, like, and it's, it's just like, <laughs> yeah. you know, the Airbnbification of, 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 of America, you know, like right. it, all this stuff that's like tasteful, but fucking sucks and, and has no personality. And like, yeah, you know, like urban is like lots of architecture metaphors, but like you can make your own fucking house and make your own apartment, you know, design your own shit, decorate it yourself. Right. It's cozy. So there are some common themes in this kind of schizo Gen Z youth culture online. Uh, one of them is angels. It seems like you see angels all, all over the place. There's the angelicism guy. There is the, uh, I just hear people talking about demons are real. Angels are real. And people take this pretty seriously. And actually when I talk with people in this kind of crew, almost all of them believe in God. And what's also interesting is that when you look at the urban ecosystem, there's definitely a notable contingent of Catholics, Catholics Christ, and Orthodox yeah. and Orthodox. Right. So I know you've given some thought to spirituality and you have some ideas on that. So I think that this would be a good time to just think about this. Like, um, what's going on here with the the kind of resurgence of 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 God, of of angels and demons? And, you know, is there some kind of network spirituality to Urbit that is is something to remark on? Yeah, well, there's something. I mean, I think like the first thing about Urbit is like Curtis is a certain era of internet atheist and actually the network spirituality is being put in by the people who who came in after he left in an interesting way or maybe he was already there and he just wasn't able to see it so that's like kind of a side note and very interesting to me uh 
the esotericism beyond also the the spirituality like people are looking for the weirdest shit and right but but yeah i mean i think that like one thing COVID is demonstrating is like you know we're at the tail end of let's say call it the long 20th century like where you know at least we've been led to believe that uh the world has been disenchanted i don't think it ever has been but we ideologically the new atheists you know stephen pinker uh, sam harris that's the way it should be believe in science and it's all breaking and you know in a kind of uh societal sense you know COVID was like the long dark night of the soul for a lot of people who hadn't spent time inside with their own shit. and you kind of just realize that not everyone has has made this explicit for themselves but like our epistemological models are fucking breaking. We don't understand uh, the experts don't understand the world. Science, so-called, is only a very limited uh, picture of the world. And there are cracks showing and the old gods are returning, you know, like in some way, whether that means the Christian, Judeo-Christian God, uh, the pagan gods or, or um, something weirder, more paranormal, more, more alien, like literal aliens, like all these things are on the table. Yeah. And it does feel like we're in some premillennium time. Now, maybe this is a cycle where people pass through this and come out the other side as they kind of, you know, I have no, you know, whatever, whatever the millennium is, whatever, like the apocalypse is, is the unveiling. And it like, like it's going to be, we're going to be shown something, which doesn't mean the, the, the literal world, not that I know what the literal physical world is, but people's individual worlds will end in some way. Because their world picture and their, their their picture of reality will be proven to be totally inadequate and wrong. And they'll be suddenly confronted with something that to some people will feel like hell and to other people who prepared themselves will feel like heaven. I mean, I, that's my understanding of like my very vague understanding of Orthodox Christianity is like heaven is, you know, living on earth for people is either heaven or hell, you know. Either you're a deeply unhappy person who's tortured by the beauty of the world, or you're someone who's like, oh my God, look at the beauty all around me. This is heaven. And so whether or not the world literally ends, which literally doesn't even mean anything here, metaphorically, you know, like it, it, this is what's coming down the tubes, I think. And I think things are going to get fucking stranger. Uh, so entities, whether they're egregores or whether they're psychological or whether they're real or whether they're configurations of energy or blockages in your system, which, you know, some people might, might, might describe or whether they're, you know, perceptions of other dimensions, which, you know, physics, you know, like we have a, well, three and a half dimensional physics. We have time, you know, time is sort of a dimension for us, but, you know, if you, if dimensions extend upward, you know, you have entities who don't give, they can travel back and forth in time or they can, you know, there, there, there's ideas that, you know, like even like Sanskrit or Hebrew letters are, two-dimensional slices of some like kind of three-dimensional thing. And that's why these things are so powerful. Like they're not uh, created, they're revealed somehow from like some other Akashic record or some deeper thing. Um, so people who are sensitive artists and autists and people who are just tuned into the vibration of what's coming, they are starting to either intellectually or in their dreams, in their they're getting these these visions of of these things that more and more people start to see the less sensitive people you know just in the way that an artist i don't think anyone creates anything ex nihilo i think they receive it from some greater intelligence whether you want to call it like the one or whether you want to call it an entity 
you know, a diamond like with an AE from, you know, uh, a tutelary entity, uh, you know, some of these things. I think that like some of the, the, the kids are, are terrified of demons and it's all evil. But I'm like, you know, like artists, musicians, writers, academics, scientists, they're always like getting weird shit in dreams. They're getting these visions. And like, yeah, you could say that it's all evil. And I think sometimes some of the technology being delivered is, you know, are these like lower entities that are trying to like pull us into like the Silicon fucking hell, you know, pull us into the matrix or trying to help move through us to create like this, this fucking create the matrix, like right. say, first of all, to create the matrix movie and put it in our eyes or, you know, sci-fi has been these visions delivered from elsewhere. But some of these things are higher. I mean, I just like, I, I refuse to believe that every innovation, like it's all Prometheus all the time. Like, you know, like I think that there's real inspiration and real higher reception too. And otherwise, you know, like what's the point, you know, like, right. The, so for me, it's a lot more ambiguous than, than, than pure angels and demons. And maybe those are just like our projections, but also, I think that it's quite true that, you know, orders of angels are interesting. Like, like there are only so many ways to like be in resonance with what is, and like that gives you, you know, the hierarchy of angels, but like there are many ways to be out of resonance. That means there are many demons, many, you know, like ghosts and werewolves and all this dark fucking shit below us. There's an infinite amount of that and you're never going to exhaust the darkness. So it's better to, you know, look at it, look at it in your own self and then like fucking, you know try to clean clean out and just like resonate higher and like you know, see, see the angels yeah see the fucking uh wheels within wheels or whatever you okay need. fascinating so let's drill down into some of this so you were referring to entities that are kind of pulling us through the silicone like can you can you say more about this like do you have a theory of these entities i mean like you know like partly i'm it's my really bad understanding of rudolf steiner who like you know was a christian-ish you know philosopher mystic who you know uh, uh, waldorf schools uh biodynamic farming your rhythmics, uh, but, you know, published 150 books and, you know, and, and his kind of Christian thing was there's, there's Christ in the, the middle, you know, like, but rather than Christ against Satan, you have Christ against on the one hand, Lucifer, who's spiritual delusion. So like too many psychedelics, you know, like just, just being like, oh man, like, you know, like it's all light, man, or like whatever, just that kind of thing we know from the, the hippies or the, the, the new age ungrounded people around us who we've met and who we find annoying and, 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 and just insane. And then what is actually the real problem? Like Lucifer is bad, but Araman, who the name maps to set or Satan, uh, is the materialist delusion. And that's the thing. It's like, oh, all we are our bodies. We should try to do life extension, live forever. Or all we are, our brains, we should put that into Silicon and upload ourselves. Uh, you know, money is all that matters, you know, like this nihilism and this, this total materialism without, and, you know, like the thing with, with Steiner is like both of these things are kind of necessary, especially if, if you're someone like me who, before my sister died, basically no belief module, taking psychedelics for the first time and opening this possibility was important. That's like a small dose of Lucifer and it was therapeutic. Uh, you know, in the end, what, 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 what Christ is, 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 is these two things combined in the appropriate ratios so that you can actually understand uh, this world as, as related to the higher world. And, you know, like this is what God made and everything we see is this beautiful metaphor, you know, of, 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 of God's like love and intelligence like that, that is the healthy way to relate to the world. It's not denying the world and it's not saying this is the world is the only thing it is. It's like relating the two in a, in a, in a, in a deeply uh, metaphoric and like poetic way. Um, 
so I'm forgetting your question, but that's- Oh, you referred to entities specifically kind of pulling us through the silicon. Yeah, I so I think Araman, I mean, I think that there are lower energies that are trying to get us to believe that all that is, is material. And then just like the, the, the transhumanists I, I talked to who are reconstructing, let's say, um, scholastic uh, Christianity, in a, in a materialist setting where they get scattered rockets, basilisks, and so on, uh, they're trying to convince themselves that the material world is all there is, and yet they're reconstructing religion in this, in right. this totally emptied out, brittle way that is right. totally unsatisfying and does not fill the, the, God, the God-shaped hole in your soul. It's right. just a way of living in fear and of trying to stave off uh, this existential terror of something that's actually you know, sad, but beautiful, like such as death. Right. Uh, What's interesting is to me is that aliens not too long ago were kind of a, a low status belief. You know, you were kind of a crackpot. If you took aliens yeah. seriously, you're wearing a tinfoil hat. And now aliens, that's like a high status belief. Now it's like uh, in tech, in high educa- highly educated, high IQ circles, everyone believes in aliens now. Oh, those guys so, are all faggots though. <laughs> Sorry. So, well, they, they believe, they, they what they want is the technology because they think they can make money. They think it's advanced physics that they can turn into advanced tech. And it's totally uh, harmonic and, and bullshit. And like, I mean, I'm a, Okay, like, so what's uh, your, I, on, yeah. on, on, I've been on, uh, slowly reaching the alien, art, this alien article, which I'm gonna try to not blow up my spot, but uh, the idea, I've been to these alien conventions and I've been to Elliot like places like East Seti Ranch in, in, in Washington State where it's a new age MAGA thing. It's these people are deeply uncool, physically unhealthy. Like, and now you're kind of talking more about the 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 people that a lot of people would call kind of the crackpot types. Yeah, crackpot and also just like deeply uncool. Like it's it's right. new age, but it's like it's not it's not like anti-vax yoga moms from like LA or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's something else. It's a folk belief. And I think they have an action. They're delusional too, but they still have a more accurate picture of what aliens are than the high status nuts and bolts stuff that that is is creeping in, which is all wrong. Like we're oh, just really? trying to keep aliens within the materialist paradigm and say, oh, we just need to tweak our physics, and they're coming from other planets. Aliens are not coming from other planets. I mean, sometimes they might be. They're coming from maybe other dimensions. They're coming from uh, inside us. I mean, if you if you take a little bit of mushrooms and stare in the mirror at your own eyes, your ma- face might transform into a reptilian, which might just mean that like the reptilian is a, a, a fragment of your psyche or another, for instance. And, and I think if you've taken psychedelics or, or meditated, you realize that the internal and the external are very blurry. And maybe I'm just turning into an idealist philosopher where everything is mind and everything is a you know, projection on some kind of dashboard mm-hmm. of, of consciousness and we perceive the world, but it's all created from inside us, from our heart and from our um, fears, which then create these things that seem like entities, but are actually just like our blockages and our like uh, ways of, of not loving the world enough, not loving God enough and, and being scared of, of like how big, for instance, love could be. And I'm starting to sound like a new age, like oh, asshole. Okay. So your theory basically is that aliens are, uh, relationships with ourselves almost, but in other dimensions? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, like there are projections out there of something that is also happening internally. It's, it's still hard for me to kind of describe and wrap my head around, but I, I also think that, you know, older theories of like the ether as a kind of, you know, other element are relevant, you know, like this idea that, you know, if you're a fish in the ocean, you don't even understand what the air is above you. We don't understand what these other, other planes even 
very near our world are, and sometimes they come down. I think David Lynch is onto something when he describes electricity as evil. Like I think that there's this amazing book called um, The Cosmic Pulse of Life by this, you know, from a few decades ago. But it's it's basically like it was a guy who was into uh, Wilhelm Reich, you know, this this post post Freudian guy with yeah the organ the organ fire organ organ cannons into the sky and see these amoebic creatures in in the etheric realm would get zapped by electricity, luminesce, and then crash land. So like they what we think of as metallic craft are actually metallic carapaces of a biological entity that that falls out. Now, is that right or not? I don't know. I think all these things are, are, are partial pictures of reality we can't totally understand. Some of it is internal, but the internal and external are actually hard to separate if you kind of go deep enough. Um, yeah, and, and I think that there's a new book out that it's about Skinwalker Ranch. I haven't read it yet, but what I've heard is you know, people, all the nuts and bolts people were really happy when the New York Times in 2017 published this article saying, oh, we've seen some stuff over this Navy battleship. Uh, we have some video. It's like, oh, look, we have evidence of the physical reality of these things. This one is about how you go to Skinwalker Ranch, which is an old Indian sacred site. You go there. The shit starts fucking with you. It's paranormal. Worlds look in your window. And then you go home and then the shit comes and visits you. It's like a fucking horror movie. And it's like, we've, you've been to our sacred site. Now we're going to come to your shit. And, and, and the, the, the serious people are like, we've done all this work to make this respectable. Now you're bringing in fucking werewolves. So what is that then? Do you think? I think that all these things that we've talked about in myth and in legend, it's all has a, it's not always literally real, but it's a dimension of real. I mean, I also say like, I don't have a dog in the QAnon fight, but I've done ayahuasca and been to realms that are like satanic pedophile. And I'm like, you know, like, oh, I'm being, and it's like, I think that what the QAnon people have done wrong is they've collapsed this uh, other dimension that's, let's say, metaphoric or, or energetic, where they experience the pain of, you know, like fucking porn. You can look at it and here, it does nothing. You, you, you get off, but like, there's a sense that you're doing some like psychic damage to these, these women by, by looking at it. Mm. And I think there's another realm in which you are actually like raping these women or something. Mm. I think QAnon is the same thing. Like, or, or, or this percent, like these people have definitely on some psychic plane been attacked by maybe not Hillary Clinton, but by like some people who are feeding on their energy and they think that it actually happened here on our physical earth. It happened to them in their dreams. It happened to them when they're meditating. It happened to them like, in the subtext of the the thought, like, it's like, I see her and like, I, you know, could imagine like raping this child, you know, like this kind of thing. So it, it's, it's hard to unpack. It doesn't really, I couldn't describe it precisely, but this is my intuition. Like, like the, the, the mistakes people make is collapsing everything into, into one, uh, thinking our, our reality is just this thing right here, rather than a whole spectrum of other, other realms and other kind of dimensions. Okay. Fascinating. Where so, people do evil by, by, by thinking it or by, by feeling it, but they don't actually do it physically. So you think the people that read about QAnon and they're like, oh, I immediately know that to be true. Those people are testifying to actual kind of assaults that they've experienced in their experience of the world. Or they're but, tapping into an egregore or they're tapping into like some kind of, of like, you know, in some sort of, uh, now Jungian kind of collective unconscious thing like they're going to the collective unconscious they've seen the pain of that modernity has inflicted on on humanity and they're bringing it back and thinking that it actually happened in some very reductive sense and actually no they're having a a, a real subjective experience of something that's psychically true right so fascinating now i i, I feel that 
the satanic pedophilia meme is maybe somewhat embellished, but it's it also seems just subjectively not too far fetched because a lot of them are actual pedophiles. Like there, there have been enough documented pedophiles. Some from, some of it has right? collapsed and actually happened in this realm. It just it's <laughs> not on the numbers, and you know, like who knows? Maybe the adrenochrome. Like all these things. I want to say who knows, but you know, like you know, I. I could be totally wrong. Maybe it is actually all happened fucking here. And like some of these people are fucking sick, but, uh, well, yeah, I know, I, I don't know anything either, but I'm just saying there are a startling number of documented pedophiles who have, uh, been identified in like the, <laughs> yes. you know, the upper echelons of power. Right. So it's not like too crazy for the masses to kind of imagine that it's somewhat organized, that it's somewhat oh, systematic. Oh, I mean, yeah, of course. And you have, I mean, you have, you have enough circumstantial and actual evidence to, uh, generalize and, you know, and but it can also be debunked because the evidence is also spotty. It's 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 suggestive, right. but not always conclusive. And yeah, I, I I it's a mixed bag. But right. and I you know like hesitate to. I I can feel myself get get pulled into into conspiratorial narratives, and then I just have to remind myself that sometimes I'm just pattern matching. So okay, so when people like to talk about the good aspects of the new network spiritualities, like vibes, and you know the the uh positive affects that are often loaded onto this kind of new schizo wave of like post woke post everything culture what kinds of egregores are there what kinds of entities or currents are being tapped into for the good stuff well i mean like i this is another kind of like like bastardization of of, of rudolf steiner but like his sort of account of his of, of humanity in the, in the in the broad scale is like we used to be telepathic and we were all kind of collective we lived in villages and we kind of were so sensitive and then as modernity progressed we individuated and we lost our telepathy and we all became rational mm-hmm. it, you can just call this like uh left brain right brain you could think of it that way and like the task of right today is to bring the brains back together or to restore telepathy at a higher octave while stay remaining individuated and i think that what like the spiritualization of technology in a healthy way rather than a harmonic way is to essentially have the best of both worlds like have physicality and and the digital have um vibes you know the positive vibes that you know are more than intuition are positive egregores that you know are creating whether it's an old god or a new god like something that's bigger than an individual who guides us to like you know the the, the promised land um whatever that means it might not be one promised land for all of humanity it might be just a promised land for the for for the small tribe and and they get to a place where you know they they meet marry have kids uh make great art you know like are healthy and 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 you know have have what we think romanticized about being trad but in a new place where we have computers and actually things have changed. I mean, like you can't go back to trad. You can just, you know, revisit a higher octave where we realize that our material conditions have changed, you know, and like that, that to me is like, if we could, you know, have the best of both worlds, I think it's a challenge, but like, yeah, that, that's, that's what Urbit among other things like provides the potential substrate for, I think like, because you have to, communicate in the digital realm before you can reconstitute physically to some extent. Okay. Fascinating. It it does seem to me that there is a kind of rejection now of the mass broadcast power. You know, it's like what in my generation, the ambitious people who wanted to be successful thought very much in terms of 
how to, you know, climb some mega pyramid in society, right? To get to the top of some ladder was generally the what the successful positions were seen, whether that's in finance, but also in media, whatever the case might be. Nowadays, it kind of feels to me like the young people who have the best vibes, who are kind of most on top of what's coming and what's really hot, they seem to reject this paradigm completely, where it's like what you were just saying, they want to mostly just, they think about their friends, they think about wanting to have a family, they think about their own relationship to God. And it's like this very intimate, kind of self-referential closed system, maybe it's open to the universe, or it's open to the vibrations or whatever. But it's very much set sail from any pretense or aspiration to, you know, get them get the megaphone that affects all of society. It, it's it's a relinquishing of the pretech of of the the um, pretense to, let's say, you know, convert the rest of the country to your preferred political party. It's like all of that is cringe, it seems it, or it feels right. And it seems like people am, am I onto something here? Is that kind of what you're something. talking I mean, about? I, you know, there's also like the thing where the, the kids like have no no longer hung out about selling out and stuff. So I, I, I'm not entirely sure, but I think that there's, you know, for the, the healthier ones, it's like, yeah, you want to have a good time with your friends. I mean, like, that's what matters. And like, maybe if you're single, like meet someone to, you know, like you, you want to be out there enough to, you know, get, get, get outside your immediate circle enough to attract a mate or something. Right. But like, yeah, like what more do you really need? But do you see my point though, that it, for, for, a lot of time it, you did want to be famous, right? You wanted to be, you wanted to make it, you wanted to be a movie star. You wanted to be in all these different kinds of dialects or, or, or registers. It, it's not. Yeah. I, 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 I guess right? I, I guess I just like have always been repelled by those people. Uh, so like I, okay. I, I, I have seen them, but I've judged them. I'm, I'm enough, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, what is it, geriatric millennial. So like I'm enough Gen X to be like, ah, like, I don't, I don't, and I've always sort of valorized, you know, just like like failures, you know. So uh, for for me, like like you know, renegotiating, like oh yeah, yeah. like actually, there are some versions of success that are, that are that are healthy, you know. Even yeah, though yeah. we live in a society where most success is fucking perverse and 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 destructive, I'm still like trying to understand that, like on some like personal level. So okay. yeah, but I, I I hear you. I mean, I think. I think it's changing, but I also am not maybe the person to ask because sure. I've, I've hated those people. Yeah, I also life. I also might be barking up the wrong tree or it might be a, a fixation of mine, but I, I, I keep feeling that I sense this. And that does seem to me to be a kind of isomorphic with the Urbit network. And that, that's kind of what my thesis is, is becoming, is that there's something nice about how Urbit drops the pretense of this kind of broadcast power, basically. Obviously, in a developed network, you know, there'll be people with larger followings than others, but. And yet people it, love Kanye. So it's, it's complicated. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I was just curious if you saw anything there. Okay. Let's, I, I mean, I feel like you kicked up a lot of interesting top uh, ideas uh, related to the whole aliens and different dimensions. So I, I want to le learn more about this. I know that you've been thinking about this a lot. I know you're, you also have been studying religion. So, I mean, have, have you, uh, have you come to any convictions around you know, the nature of God or the the nature of what is true when it comes to religion? And does that link up with these entities you're talking about? Yeah, it it's still me me exploring. I mean, it's half intellectual and half felt. I mean, you know, like sure. I, I did ayahuasca soon after my sister died and had this like intense experience of like with the Trinity being like, oh, there's this thing that's been encoded for 2000 years waiting for people to discover it, you know, as like waves of holy war wash, wash back and forth, you know, like right. this, and then like this flaming floating Christ entered the picture. And I was like, and then, you know, I'm half Jewish and I was there with two good Jewish friends. And I think the shaman was 
you know, half Jewish. And I was like waking up, like, do I have to be fucking Christian now? <laughs> and I'm still not sure, but like, I'd certainly like, like have, uh, you know, some, you know, I'll, I'll pray a little bit to, to, to a Christian feeling God. I mean, I have tried to find a church and it's hard, been hard. Um, I also, you know, have enough like Buddhist and other experience to think that there's like, you know, a non-dual oneness that, that is, might be more than, than, than God. So yeah, I'm still, right. I'm still feeling my way through. Well, but you believe in these other entities that operate in different dimensions. So does that trace back to some kind of God uh, entity? Yeah. I mean, I kind of think that it's like layers of the onion, you know, like maybe it's one that's in the center and then God, like one layer out and then, uh, you know, uh, angels and, and, and pagan deities, you know, below that. And the idea I mean, like I, I, I went down to Peru and did ayahuasca for a few nights and, and there it was, I was quite scared and like of, of demons actually at that point. I mean, I think that like one of the important texts of our time is, uh, this, I guess, Owen broadcast or maybe his own identity thread about, about oh, ayahuasca I know that, guy, yeah. Th- that this long thread you can find if you like search like Owen broadcast demons or Owen identity demons, like it scared the shit out of me. And it brought me to like a place where, and I was, then I went into Peru and did ayahuasca for a few nights and. Well, the experience I had was like what felt like these different gods coming and trying to offer me things. I'm like, I don't know who the fuck you are. I don't know what I'm compromising if I say yes to this thing. So I'm going to say no. And I was like, oh, well, one advantage of monotheism is like you're only dealing with one guy, not like all these guys. You don't know their motivations. So like I one of the things that got me through this challenging, I mean, important experience was 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 praying a lot to one one God, a Christian God to to be like, I'm dealing with you, not all these other fuckers who I don't know who the fuck they are and whether they're trying to steal my soul or, or mm-hmm. something. Uh, now, is that the ultimate truth? I think maybe not, but I, I think it's, it is this, this onion. And I think you can uh, sink into different layers of perception. And the problem is if you collapse them all into one and think that it, 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 it's, there are different depths and different layers to reality. And uh, we're, we're, we're here and, and some people are more sensitive and get, go up the chain and do you think that uh wilhelm reich was onto anything or i haven't read Reich directly you mentioned him so i was just curious yeah it's it just seems interesting i mean like certainly what little i know of his like theory of of like muscular tension like it all seems i've had direct experience of you know like spasms and like binding in my body you know that that uh i relate directly to like certain uh fears i mean it the somatic thing i mean i think like one thing for fucking nerds you know who have tried therapy and they just realize they're good at talking and good at lying to themselves and to their, their, their therapist, like anything body oriented, which includes sports and lifting, but also, uh, physically based meditations and so on, like is so transformative and you, you learn so much more about yourself so much faster and it's much fucking harder too than anything where you're just like, I'm a good talker and I'm a good fucking, you know, I mean, the whole point of rationality is to lie to yourself so you can lie to other people. So uh, I, 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 yeah, I'm not a talk therapy fan for anyone except someone who's not absolutely not intellectual and can like deal with a little bit of, of heaviness, you know, but like, I like, me, I, I like that you're going hard after the rationalists. So this mostly is, because it's me, you know, uh, like, like, <laughs> mostly because it's me. And like, I, 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 you know, I, I had some like instability at home. I went into my head, I got into math, I got into novels. And then I went to school and I was a fucking, you know, gifted kid. And you learn to over-identify with the thing that's keeping you prisoner, which is your head. And you don't realize how fucking unhappy you are until something breaks in your life, which for me, you know, was, was, was this, this death. Uh, yeah. Like it's a mistake. You know, I'm, I'm, I, 
realized, you know, just la uh, last week in, in, in a journey I was on, like how much I hated school and I was still identifying myself as a smart kid and like, what a fucking mistake that was. Uh, how torturous and, 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 and propagandizing these, these institutions are. Right. Do you think much about cults? I do. I mean, I think one thing that I like think about cults is, uh, what people underestimate them is, is actually how healthy they are to some extent. Oh yeah. They work. Yeah. They don't work perfectly. And the ways in which they're imperfect are destructive and horrible. But like, right. the reason people are drawn to them is it actually solves some problems. I agree with that. I think what they really are in a way is these aggressively optimized human arrangements, but then they just go off the rails. They're like almost overly optimized. It's like giving human beings too much of what they really want that it overheats and kind of short circuits in a way. Yeah. It's, it's a shortcut too. It's like, it's like, you know, like Christianity is a cult that, that really well worked on, you know, and, and, but because it was big enough, like there are other things that try to get there faster and they get you some places faster and then they, they, they burn you out because they're not complete. Right. And they almost always involve sex at the end. And this is what I started thinking about when you were talking about the rationalists, because I'm, I'm, I'm sure you might've heard there, there's been some recent kind of controversies around, uh, some, some sexual, uh, cult-like dynamics in, in the rationalist community. And I know there are a few people around here who are kind of somewhat adjacent to that in one way or another. And I don't know if you saw the Nexium documentary, uh, that was out recently, but did you by any chance? No, no, I just, um, I just, uh, was communicating with my ex-girlfriend and she, she, uh, was very attracted to Keith Raniere's and people have told me like, right. Well, <laughs> she liked his glasses. So, well, so there, there's definitely something going on here where, you know, rationality is, is kind of charismatic, right? If you're, yeah. if you're really smart and you're able to, you know, articulate interesting ideas, uh, effectively, there's really within the realm of rationality alone, there's, there's really no reason not to build a harem basically. And, you know, it's like, and so it's like, I've been very fascinated by this recently thinking it through like why do sex cult dynamics form around highly rational men who kind of spin out these uh, charismatic intellectual systems, right? Yeah, I think if you're a smart, ambitious man and you don't genuinely hold yourself accountable to a higher power that would constrain you, there's and, and you're rational, the right thing to do is to build a sex cult. It, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you, right? And I think people, of course... Most people don't think in those terms, so it's not necessarily conscious. But if you're really a kind of charismatic, articulate, in intellectual male, that's just what you find happening to yourself. It, it, am I onto something there? Or that, that seems that seems right. I mean, I think that you know, like, there's a lot. I mean, people talk about this in other ways when they're they're sort of like the, you know, this right wing people on the internet. They're, they're talking about like the patriarchy and it's like we've replaced the patriarchy with like you know this you know strange like female worship of 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 other kinds of institutional power uh you know like 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 whether it's obama or Biden, you know like this thing like there's always going to be these attractors of 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 some kind of charisma you know ideally you have like a family and and, and god or something that seems like more adaptive but yeah i think that like obviously uh you can spin yourself out and then like suddenly like people are drawn to you and it's the reason i mention this now that it, now now it hits me is because we were talking about programming and th this idea of programming is something that's kind of come up to me in a few conversations this weekend and there there's a deep sensibility i think among the population of of programming happening right this is why people are very quick to believe in conspiracy theories the idea that there are people pulling pulling levers yeah. whether they're human beings 
at the top of power hierarchies that are pulling the strings and manipulating us or lower entities, as you call them, yeah. lo lower energy entities. There, there is, there, there seems to be a widespread sensibility related to just how things are, pro things feel programmed for better or for worse. And in a way to me that that's very much like the, the, the rationalist attitude. It's like, we can just program ourselves better, right? We just software, right? And all we want to do is be happy, make everyone get along. So really there's no natural limit on how much you can manipulate yourself and each other, right? Yeah, so yeah, as yeah. long as you're like increasing, you know, the pleasure of other people yeah, without yeah. causing pain, yeah. um, you should absolutely like build cults. And if that means like you're the lucky guy who has like the sex uh, slavery cult around you, that just means you're the smartest person who's providing the most value to everyone else. Yeah. It's a fair trade, right? Um, and so, yeah, I, I just wonder if you have theories of, of, of programming, if, if there's something going on here where, um, you know, the, the concept of programming is also kind of relevant here because we are talking also about, about, uh, technology and, and network architecture. So I just feel like there's something very, uh, um, fertile in this, in this concept of yeah, pro programming. I feel like you don't have deep thoughts, but I think, yeah. I think, I think you're definitely onto something. I mean, like just you know, certain like ad adaptive constraints have been removed in the past century. And uh, yeah, you know, people talk about, you know, the 10% the of guys on, on, on dating apps who get the 80% of women. I mean, you, you right. have all these things where things just, unless you have these artificial or, or God-given, you know, things where like arranged marriages, you know, whatever, one man, one woman, just make it work you know, like be modest, not too, right. not, 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 not many men, you know, like just, just, right. just, just, just make do with this. It's enough, you know, and, and go deep with what you have and, 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 and go into that scary place of, Oh, is this person flawed? You right. Know, which, you know, it's, is most of us, most of us. Yeah. It's fucking terrifying. And, and it seems like deeply uncool or something. I don't know, like trying to deprogram myself from, from that has been, you know, a long time and I'm still, still working on it. Yeah, I think it's just we live in a, a fucked up environment and like we need to figure out a way of, of re-engineering ourselves back to something that that just is serves serves people and serves humanity. Yeah, right. Did did you learn much from Nick Land? I, only only in passing. I listened to your podcast with him. I, you know, I, I, he's someone who and when I was in rationalist, there was also that was when the outside in this comment section was was super extensive and I'd, I'd go in there, but I just couldn't quite you know, like for whatever reason go down that rabbit hole like too deep i mean he he's he's interesting but yeah okay i was just curious because you mentioned him before and so okay fascinating well i wonder if you have any any other thoughts that maybe i, I didn't know to ask you about any particularly hot takes when it comes to you know urbit or culture or aliens or uh you know any, anything anything i wasn't able to ask you about that i should have no i mean i'm pretty much done i mean i just think like you know or, or it's happening. And, yeah. uh, so is there, is there, um, kind of one important fact or reality that most people don't know that, you know, that you'd like to, uh, impart to us like, about what? Yeah. no, no, about the world in general, you know, let me, think, let me think, uh, whether that be about aliens or, uh, angels, or, I mean, are angels real are, or, um, you know, what more can you say about, uh, that kind of part of things. I, I wonder if yeah, we, I wonder yeah. if we exhausted all, all of that. I mean, I've definitely seen videos of a guy I'm, I'm trying to write about of videos in the sky of wheels within wheels. What yeah. is it? Wheels within wheels. 
you know I've what does seen, that mean i mean isn't that isn't that uh in the in the bible the, the wheels and the wheels like this this these oh, okay MCs? sorry over, yeah, over it's, the head, yeah it's uh these these things are manifest now whether they're really angels or some just deception i don't know that i'm qualified yet to, to say um I, the other thing that i i going back to the cult thing and i'm still trying to wrap my head around this even things as ridiculous as the Scientology mythos, I think he might be like half right. Like I've heard stories you can look up. Uh, oh, the, the, this guy I, I've been talking to, he he had either a lucid dream or something where he he experienced a war on Mars some X number of years ago, where all the souls of the Martians were brought to Earth and put into Bigfoot. Now that sounds crazy, but it also matches up kind of well with the Scientology mythos of of of, of body thetans and and so on. Like, I'm not like su- I haven't gone deep on Scientology exactly, but this thing where people, even though we're on fucking Hubbard, are perceptive and sensitive, receive some information, take it as the all of reality when it's it's a little weird fragment of something and turn it into a whole cult. So even like I guess I would just say take everyone's perception seriously, but not like, you know, I'm maybe, yeah. uh, but not like totally literally. And like whatever the it's, it's describing the elephant and, and, and uh, yeah, I, I just the most ridiculous things. I, as I go deeper into them, I'm like, Oh, that's true too. <laughs> and the other thing I will say, and, and this, I have no evidence for, but I, I, I think I, I was telling you before you start recording, I'm getting more and more like, Everything like I was recently cell pilled on the fact that cells might not exist. Like this guy who's a Steinerite, this guy Tom Cohen, who's you know like maybe known as like a, a, a not a COVID denialist, but a COVID, uh, and he's quite a good writer actually and quite interesting. He was on I guess Paul Check's podcast and he Paul Check's podcast and he was saying like, how do we know cells exist? Well, okay, you take a three D living organism, kill it, put it into two dimensional slices, divide those up put those under a slide, put those under a microscope. And then you see these things that might be air bubbles and we call them cells. Cells don't exist. We're like, you know, and I'm like, you know, if that's true and you know, it's probably not true, but maybe it's like, what the fuck do we even know? We don't know shit. And like, you know, the 20th century was a mistake. (laughs) Fascinating. Fascinating. Do you have any big hypotheses about what will be corrected in the 21st century? Like what will, what will it look like to get these things right? It, it's it's really um, this guy I'm interested in this guy uh, Ibrahim Karim who has this Egyptian sort of energy system called biogeometry. He was an architect who started studying the pyramids and other sacred power centers and started being like, what we need is a physics of quality, not quantity. Um, that 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 holistic approach to 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 qualities, which you know, uh, the example they always give is like, you know. Okay, quality. What does that even mean? Well, does love exist? Do you love your wife? How do you measure that on a scale of ten? You know, like it, it, it doesn't make any sense. Right. Quality exists, and like that's actually what's fundamental, not quantity. Quantity is is our inadequate scientific way of of trying to measure what's what's important, and we're like missing the forest, not for the trees, but for the tree. You know, and 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 this kind of holistic approach, which at this point. You can't wrap a rational mind around because that's not what the rational mind is for. The rational mind is for very limited tasks. We, you know, use it for eighty percent of things, and we should be using it for twenty percent of things. Uh, you know, that that inversion, left brain, right brain, whatever you want to call it. You know, spirit and 
you know, uh, mind and brain. I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah. Th- this is this is what has to happen, and we're I'm still stuck uh, in this in this quantitative paradigm. But like like making that shift is is like the, the task of our time, you know, like, and, yeah. and otherwise we're going to fucking die. Like, that's beautiful. I like that. I mean, I think that's very much what the kids have in mind when they talk about the vibe shift. Yeah, for sure. You know, you know, uh, are you familiar with Max Weber, the famous German sociologist? He had this idea. Well, he had this kind of typology of rationalities. And, and one of his big ideas is that what's, what happens under modern capitalism is that a particular kind of rationality comes to dominate what he, what he calls instrumental rationality. Mm-hmm. And that's basically the logic of capitalism. That's yeah. like, you know, uh, let's build systems as efficiently as possible to deliver the the biggest bang for the buck with the least amount of resources. And his argument is that historically, there have always been different levels and different types of rationality. And what happens with modern capitalism is that one kind takes over. And he predicted that he called this the, you know, the, the famous iron cage was a concept that that he that he floated. And uh, he also associated with what he called the the disenchantment of the world, or at least that's how it's commonly yeah. translated. Um, some scholars have argued that it's ac- the better translation is actually the demagification of the yeah. world. And so I think that's a really useful frame for understanding kind of the the current moment. It's like the the entire world has been uh, kind of maximally exploited for all of its possible value. Everything's been standardized. Everything's been uh, turned into what what Heidegger calls standing reserve. Basically, Every, everything is now only that version of it which can be exploited computationally and, and and effectively right and so but in fact there's actually uh whole other dimensions to use a word that that you you have used uh to human life to, to, to any you know um, living living being there are many ways you can think about them many ways you can um, understand them or, and many things we can do in different ways as, as living creatures but only that which is legible within a kind of grid of exploitation and, and computation is that which I- exists for us today. Yeah, exactly. We're like unable to see anything else, right? Uh, according to according to this thesis, uh, according to which instrumental rationality has turned everything into standing reserve. So in a way, one could one could hypothesize that these other dimensions you're talking about, these different kinds of like energies you're talking about could very well be just the, the existence of like the other aspects of entities of the other aspects of beings, yeah. which our highly, highly narrow and contingent kind of modern capitalist like sensibility just neglects. Like yeah. we've just become so stupid and narrow, narrow exactly. in what we're able to appreciate and sense that really all this crazy stuff with aliens and different types of, um, you know, phenomena and entities could just be like the rest of reality, <laughs> which. Yeah, which, it's just it's like, yeah. listen to us. It's yeah, like yeah. knocking on the door, just like, like open up to it's what, like, what is. Yeah, like other other aspects of existence exist, basically. Like, yeah. Duh, maybe you should have, maybe we shouldn't have been so stupid to ever imagine otherwise. We're just like nature spirits, you know, like all these things are just like, you know, and you know, like Japan has some intuitions about, you know, the, the gods of the house. I mean, like India, obviously they're, you know, like, maybe more magical society, you know, all these things that we, you know, maybe that's paganism, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, I think it's just like uh, a healthy respect for, for, you know, the full breadth of, of, of reality and like actually the beauty and the wonder of it, you know, versus the instrumental. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate you sharing your thoughts. Very, very fascinating stuff. And I'll put I'll put some uh, information about where people can find you on you know Urbit probably I'll put your I'll put your username in the show notes so people watching and listening can uh, connect you with you if, if you want and uh, anything else or did we pretty much cover cover all the good stuff on the top of your mind at the moment? No, I, I just uh, have been been constipated for a few years and I'm I'm hoping to you know get this article out and 
publish more. And I have a, a Substack, samfrank.substack, which I have just one post about my sister on. Either I'll use that or I'll start using Urbit. I don't really know. So Perfect. I, I, and I, you know, read, I'm a replier on Twitter, but I, maybe I'll start tweeting more. So, or I won't, but I'll, uh, soon, yeah. soon. Well, I'll put links to your Twitter and links to your Substack in the show notes. So anyone watching or listening should go uh, check that out and connect with with Sam, and this is fascinating. I, re I really appreciate it. You're a far out thinker, and now I un I understand why people were telling me I got to talk with you. So I think my audience is going to be into your ideas. Awesome, man. It was great. All right, man. Thank you. That's thank a wrap. You. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. You made it all the way to the very end, so you must really like the show. In that case, I would be super grateful if you'd be so kind to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. All you have to do is go to otherlife.co slash review. That's otherlife.co forward slash review. And it'll send you an Apple podcast. Just leave a review. You can be honest. 